Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Today, I wanted to talk about the source of courage, but it is a trick title. (laughs) See, um, this last week, I had one of my usual regular scheduled calls with my Wayfinder coaches. Now, on this broadcast, it's just, it's a Facebook broadcast, so I can get questions in the text. But because these people were Wayfinder coaches, they get to have Zoom interactions with me, so I can actually go back and forth and coach them a little. So there's somebody who's almost always here on the gathering room, um, Donna, Donna Keel. I didn't say any names today, and I kind of miss it. Probably go back to that next week suggestion for the podcast. Anyway, Donna asked a question about how to encounter, she's, she's getting really uh, heightened awareness because of the Black Lives Matter movement and she wants social justice and then she encounters people and institutions that are really, really racist and sexist and all those things. And what she said was, you know, I need to get to the point where I cannot be angry and I can just move toward them with love and and you know just nothing but gentleness in my heart and calm them well because i had a chance to talk back and forth with donna we located the place where she starts to get angry and at that point a judgment comes in that says you must not act on anger now this is a very common theme in our culture It's a common theme among anyone whose anger might upset the system. So if there's a teenager in a family where people keep secrets and the teenager starts telling secrets, it's a really big threat to the system and everybody gets upset. No anger, no anger. So the child, the teenager is told, no anger, no anger. I remember when when I was uh, briefly doing a stint teaching while I finished my doctorate, I I taught at the Mormon-run Brigham Young University for a while. And one of my students there was an art major and she put up this beautiful, she was getting her master's in fine arts and she put up this amazing show of paintings and um, they were all people, pictures of people, paintings of people. And she was denied her master's degree because of this, her art show, which was brilliant. And she went to them and she said, you know, my art is as good as anyone's. Is it because there are some nudes here and the Mormon authorities don't want the nude body and she was already with an argument that says you believe you're made in the image of God what's wrong with the human body and they said no 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 it's because these it's not because the women in the paintings were nude it was because they looked angry we can not have that <laughs> so there's this big push to not be angry because anger upsets the system now this is absolutely rational when you've encountered anger with no wisdom. I put out a meme yesterday that said, in the presence, in the absence of wisdom, anger only destroys. In the presence of wisdom, anger only creates. Use your anger wisely and you could create a whole new world. And I got some comments that were like, yeah, you go. And then I got a bunch that were like, anger is never right, not ever. So that's a very common voice, but Here's what I want you to think about. Audre Lorde, the great African-American feminist said, our task is to transform the anger that is affliction 
into the anger that is determination to bring about change. So what I told Donna, once I finally got her on a back and forth, is I said, you've been vilifying your anger and it's drained you of courage. And because Donna is super smart and she's a well-trained coach and all this stuff, she saw through the cultural screen really quickly, or at least it seemed so. Um, maybe she can like shout out in the chats and say if it still lasted, but she was like, got it. So here's the source of courage. The source of courage is the natural resistance response that comes when injustice is occurring. So there are two circumstances. One is where something that is absolutely necessary is being taken from a, a, a being. And the other one is when something absolutely intolerable is being imposed on a being. In those two circumstances, the natural response of all beings as far as I know, even plants seem to have this reaction, believe it or not. You can look up the research on that, it's fascinating. But they have an anger reaction. We all have an anger reaction that says, that's not right, that's not fair, that's not good, stop right there. And that's as much as it is. It's not, I will kill you all because I'm so angry I want to destroy the world like Godzilla. That kind of anger comes from repressed anger. It becomes, well, I call it the exploding doormat. You repress and repress and repress your anger until it's the pressure is so intense that you can't hold it and it blows. And this is when you get people having rage attacks, abusing each other, attacking each other, um, being horribly violent. This is not a healthy use of anger. It's a natural response to repressing anger that is determination to bring about change. So I asked Ro, our wonderful, incognito badger if she would please put up a link to a video that i love and it's called watching an experienced golden retriever mother uh calm her eight week old puppies and it is a it is a master class in the right use of anger so this this dog comes in and she goes willing like there are all these puppies um, the link is up now. You can check it out later. But it's quite, you know, it's like five minutes long and it deserves to be watched. So just, just save it for later. So she goes in with her puppies. Now, golden retrievers love puppies. Of all breeds of dog, puppy, golden retrievers are the most puppy loving that I've ever seen. I mean, they love their puppies. So she goes in there and she's got like nips out to here from all the nursing. And so she's got that dangle down nip situation that you see with nursing dogs. And she goes in there and these eight week old puppies and they're like 10 of them they just mob her and they're like biting at her undercarriage they're trying to get themselves some milk and she sets about making boundaries she gives what my friend boyd barty in south africa calls the growl of harmony he's watched lionesses do it when the cubs are in danger or when they're endangering the group and it means business it's not like kids honestly mommy's feeling a little tired it's like no 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 back watch this golden retriever mother and the puppies go what 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 and then they sit down and they get calm and if you've ever trained a dog i did this with my children i never ever wanted to appear angry to them and what happened is i didn't create enough boundary to make them feel safe right so they had to grow up they never did anything bad they're they're all three amazing kids just they showed up that way 
but I didn't give them a solid sense of boundaries. If you've read Brene Brown's work, which I recommend you do, she talks about a massive um, study they did where they looked at all these dynamics of personality, and one of them was compassion. And what they found was that there were certain people who had extraordinarily high levels of compassion. They were what we call outliers. They just, they were so compassionate. And so they went back into the data and they said, um, what's creating this incredible compassion? Do they meditate? Are they vegan? Are they, like, why? And what they found was one correlation. The people that were out of the box compassionate had the highest, most solid boundaries of anybody by far. So it, it's like they know how to do the growl of harmony. They know how to say, nah, -uh, nope, no way. So for me, I just want to say the George Floyd killing, the murder of George Floyd. If you can watch that, and I have not watched it all the way through, I've not been able to, but I've watched him asking, please stop murdering me. I am actively dying. Please, sir, he says to the white cop, will you please let me breathe? And the white cop does not. And that's what happens when people are robbed of any opportunity to express their anger. If somebody is actively murdering you, you're gonna feel angry and you should. If somebody's actively murdering George Floyd, you're gonna feel angry and you should. Anger is the immune response of the psyche. It's like fever. The body takes in a virus that, like COVID or the common cold and it's going to kill the organism, your body. So it raises the temperature to burn that virus out. It's gonna create an environment where the virus can't survive in a high, high temperature. And that most viruses die when we get fevers and, and burn them out. Anger is like that. Something's introduced into the society, into your small society, your family, whatever, your couplehood, or the whole society of the entire planet. And you look at it and you say, that is infectious, that is toxic, that is wrong. And you will feel anger unless you are immune suppressed. Not feeling anger, not acting on anger is like having emotional AIDS. It's like having societal AIDS. No immune response to injustice, no re immune response to toxicity. But if you read some of these great writers in the Black Lives Matter movement and everybody, everything around it, they are masterpieces of using anger without destruction. So what can you do when you're angry about something like that? Do you go and burn down a police station? No. But you may get a sign and write down what you think and go out and carry it around. That's making something. It is not destroying something. Then the authorities get angry, they come in, they tear gas people, they arrest people, they drag people off in unmarked vans. Okay, so then some people watched that and they got angry. And did they go and burn down buildings? Did they murder people? They did not. They went and formed a line of mothers, joined hands, many in tear gas masks, joined hands so that the protesters could peacefully march and the police couldn't get to them without going through the line of mothers. That's the growl of harmony.
And that's, that is actually, it's not a masculine trait exclusively. It's very much the divine, what I call the divine feminine. The ability to say, look, um, I'm the one providing the milk for all you puppies. So, and, and I, you'll learn this, sorry guys out there, if you, you're about to hear a little, maybe TMI about the female experience, but um, you have a baby, they give you a baby, they say, feed the baby. And you're like, feed it what? And they just look at your chest and you're like, what? And then sure enough, your chest starts uh, cooking, producing food and the baby needs it. Now, here's what I learned. I tried to do everything for the baby. I didn't want the baby, my first daughter, cat. I remember trying to feed her. She was born in the middle of February in Boston, freezing cold. I'm up, you know, night after night, I'm trying to feed her. Nothing was happening. I didn't have any milk. And then someone taught me, no, feel how that feels wrong to you. Does that feel, does it make you a little bit angry? that you have to get up and get up and get up in the cold and, it, and nothing good is happening. And I was like, I guess I, I'm not mad at my baby. And she was like, no, no. But is there anger in the situation? Is there something wrong? And I was like, well, I am completely exhausted and I would really like some, you know, comfort. And she said, get the softest blanket you have, wrap it around you, get a cup of hot tea. Meanwhile, the baby's crying. Get yourself a cup of tea, it'll only take a few minutes sit down, get as comfortable as you possibly can, nourish yourself, put the TV on, put on soothing music or whatever, then get your baby and cuddle the baby once you're okay. And I did that and I never had another problem being there for, you know, as a nursing mother for any of my kids because I had learned to take the anger that was affliction, even though it was tiny, and turn it into the anger that was determination to bring about change, which was to supply those who've been deprived with comfort and to remove the whatever is oppressing them so that they can be free. So I said this to Donna and because she's a coach and because we were coaching together, she was like, got it. And I cannot wait to see what Donna does because she, often her comments are about, how do I get past my anxiety? How do I get past my fear? Well, anger is the immune response that pushes us so hard that even when we're afraid to try to bring about change because they're gonna get angry at us, they're gonna come at us, we will stand between the bad guys and the good guys or whatever you wanna say, between the destroyer and the creator and we will, we will give the growl of harmony and we will not harm anyone, but we will not allow injustice to continue unopposed. So that's what I have to say about that. And I would love to take any questions that may have arisen in your brains. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So, 
the fabulous badger is putting up things. Donna, yeah! So Donna says, and I have to speak for you here. It was as if Mar Martha opened a door that had been shut and locked my entire life. And here's the thing about Donna. She can take that one moment and go kapow and like implement, implement, implement. Because she knows a little bit about breaking free from culture and going to her true nature. Because that's what we do as Wayfinder Coaches. So Donna, thank you for responding. I'm so happy that it's hanging in there. And um, yeah, I just, you're, you are going to be such a force now. Wow. Okay. So Gail says, what if I feel my anxiety stems from not expressing my anger? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you have anger and you don't express it, it turns into one of two things. Sadness, depression, or anxiety, fear. So you got your feeling states, mad, sad, glad, and scared. If you don't get mad, you, don't also, you also don't get glad. So what you've got left is sad and scared. So if you have anxiety, depression, or anxiety and depression, as I had the whole time I was growing up, you know that the role of anger is not being played out in a healthy way in your life. So then you sit down and you say, okay, I want to scream and yell and pound people. I know that's not creative. That's sheer destruction. And that is not anger used with wisdom. That is just random violence. What I will do is sit and say, what makes me angry and what could be better? And what's one step I could take to make the world better in this way? And then you say, okay, I'm gonna do that. Like, okay, so I left Mormonism um, sexually abused as a child and I, uh, as a sociologist working there at BYU, I had dozens and dozens and dozens of young women coming to me talking about child sexual abuse. And I, I did research on it as a sociologist and I thought, oh, this is epidemic. <laughs> this is actually quite, it's very prevalent in that culture. So did that make me angry? Well, yeah, uh, being sexually abused, if you've got a healthy psyche, makes you feel angry, makes you want to say no. So was I angry about other people being victimized? Yes, I was. What, did I try to appeal to the authorities? Yes, I did. Um, my darling Karen Gertis and I actually wrote a paper about it and published it in a peer-reviewed journal and got threats from people, you know, in that church. So I was like, hmm, I don't want to burn anything down. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until there's no more um, unquiet in me. I'm going to find justice in myself, what I think was just. And then I'm going to write the most loving book I possibly can about why this happens, how it's, it's the perpetrators are hurting so much, uh, the whole, the mothers are hurting so much, the whole culture is hurting so much. And that's the book I wrote. And in one page, one paragraph, I talked about when I had physical anger in my body because I was having physical flashbacks of being sexually abused, I would go outside and there was a tree that had died in my yard and I chopped the branches off the tree and chopped them up into firewood and then I put them in the fireplace and I burned them and that was my anger. I took it out on that tree. And over and over and over, uh, reporters and Mormons and people who were sort of attacking me during the book tour for that would point out that one paragraph and say, you are nothing but just a filthy fountain of rage. And I'd be like, there are 330 pages of love in that book and a paragraph about how I used my anger in such a way that it would never harm a human being and that it could be used as a fire to warm instead of a fire to destroy. 
So you will be accused of um, rocking the boat if you express your anger. That's why it's so hard to find the courage to do it. And so Gail, back to your question, if you have anxiety and it's from not expressing your anger, you need to express the anger, but make sure you do it wisely. Talk to a friend, talk to a coach, become a coach, do whatever it takes so that you know how to transform the anger that is affliction to either you or to anyone else. Transform that anger into determination that is into the ter determination to bring about change. And then you go march. You think those mothers standing in a line with the tear gas people aren't afraid? Of course they're afraid. But they've got courage because it angers them that peaceful protesters are being tear gassed and arrested and dragged away. So their anger and their commitment to justice is what got them past what I'm sure was incredible fear. So Emily says, I feel anger is a result of boundaries being crossed. Yes, yes, 100%. Either something is being deprived from you that you need, which is a boundary between you and your needs, or something's being pushed on you, like a sexual assault that is absolutely wrong. And both of those require the setting of boundaries. Like I, I take my stand here. I have the right to protest peacefully and you don't, your right to swing your fist ends where my nose begins and I'll do a growl of harmony if that's what it takes, um, but I won't destroy, I will only create. So Lori says, I feel the anger, but lately I find that I'm wanting to ignore it because I feel so helpless in the face of the systemic problems and my desire to change the world. Thoughts? Absolutely, go into creation. Like, I'm gonna repeat my little meme. In the absence of wisdom, anger only destroys. In the presence of wisdom, anger only creates. So, yeah, it's huge. Like, what can I do? I'm one little person. Okay, find one thing you can do. And it doesn't have to be public. And it doesn't, I mean, for me, most of it has been reading books. And I, yes, I've been talking to people and I go on social media and I, I read the news and I watch the news, but I'm a bookie, I'm a book person. So, I've been reading these books and just getting, so I do have to put them down sometimes because the rage at what was done to people of color in our country is so much bigger than I even knew. And let me tell you what white privilege is. It's the ability to put it down and walk away and rest for a while, but I still have to do that. Anyway, what can I do to keep making things better? Learn a little more. I hired a diversity consultant. She taught me, well, they, there are two of them, this last week, I'm, we met with them and my company. They taught me things, and they taught me about setting boundaries. It was the last thing I expected, but they were like so wise. Like, talk, go on social media, follow somebody who's uh, an influence maker, you know, read Untamed, do whatever fires you up, lights you up, and helps you feel like you're moving forward. And it will change the world. The power of one transformed heart is immense. You just don't know how many ways it's going to ripple out. So Monica says, what is the relationship between boundaries and courage? And here it is. If you have no boundaries, people will take what's yours and they will use you up to get whatever they want. A boundary is where you say, you can't, I'm not going to allow myself to be used this way and you can't come any closer. Now at that point, you're going to get pressure, 
like look at the golden retriever mom her puppies are like food 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 mommy 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 food 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 and she's like boundaries 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 <laughs> so when you set a boundary this is what typically happens with people pleasing folks like us because most of y'all are, are people pleasers like me right because we want to save the world and be good to everyone and have cuddle puddles and just love so we're what typically happens to us is we say um uh i've painted these beautiful pictures and you say that i can't have my master's degree because the women there look angry okay i'll go i'll go paint some pictures of women who don't look angry that's not setting the boundary and it will create the exploding doormat effect every time you agree to your own um your own oppression the oppression of your truth the oppression of your expression of self anything that feels like a violation if you don't say no then you're gonna you're gonna go to depression you're gonna go to anxiety and the anger will start to build and it eventually will build until it explodes and usually it explodes at your child or the dog or something that can't fight back because it's based on no courage if you don't set boundaries you end up spraying destructive anger on the innocent so the courage that is related to boundaries is when you know your boundaries are being crossed when that friend has borrowed a thousand dollars one too many times without paying it back or whatever it is or your parents have insulted your hairstyle or whatever it is like when you feel like no then you give the growl of harmony you say you know what that's not working for me let's not do that I've watched my own kids do that because I would say things that were unconsciously um, you know racist from my generation and they'd say mom don't do that it's not it's not good it's not funny stop it I didn't even know I was like that's the way people talk and they were like yeah that's the problem and they're right they're right and they set that boundary and because I'm used to <laughs> what we teach our coaches to do is be willing to be corrected so I started learning once my kids started to teach me but if I if I had yelled at them if I tried to oppress them I hope they would have either pushed back hard or taken off set a boundary like either I'm gonna say no to you until you listen to me or I'm out of here either way it's a boundary it's either fight or flight and I don't mean you punch anyone and I don't mean you abandon anyone you create the space that is a boundary that allows you to proceed in health you put the blanket around yourself with the growl of harmony so that everyone gets the nourishment that is meant to come from you anger holds that boundary and courage is what you use to keep the boundary in place even when people push it and they will they will that's their job there's a great quote from Melody Beatty that says it is impossible to set a boundary and take care of someone's feelings at the same time so it's not possible and most codependent people take care of other people's feelings and set no boundaries and end up in a rage and it is not good for the relationship either it's bad for everyone all right Jessica says I would love to learn to respond to my anger and anxiety without such a furious physical response can we growl our harmony more fluidly without the shaking and racing heart actually no the reason you're having a surge of energy is that your body is switching from its parasympathetic nervous system to the sympathetic nervous system which says fight or flee once that happens your system floods with adrenaline and cortisol and glucocorticoids and other fight or flight hormones in women interestingly also you get a flood of hormones that make you want to take care of people 
So men in under stress, their hormones make them want to run or fight. Women under stress, our hormones make us want to run, fight, but also make sure everyone has a sweater and a sandwich, which really puts us in a pickle a lot of the time. It's a weird brew of hormones and they didn't even think to research it until I was like an adult. Anyway, it's gonna make you wanna run about. And what you should do is run about. I chopped down that tree for a reason. There was so much anger in my body after being raped that pushing back had to happen or I couldn't heal. One of the ways animals always react after they've been attacked by a predator and escaped is that they shake. <sighs> sometimes they shake deliberately, sometimes they shake for hours. If you, give, uh, if you put a horse under anesthesia and operate on it, comes out of the anesthesia, the horse will shake and shake. They have to put them in rubber uh, walled stalls because the shaking is so violent. And it's scary to us, but what that is is the body incorporating the trauma and healing from trauma. And if we hold ourselves physically still, because that's another thing we do, we don't fight and we don't flee, so we freeze, freeze. And that freeze becomes post-traumatic stress disorder and can last the rest of your life. You'll be frozen and unable to set boundaries. And then you're just a sitting duck and you don't make anything better. But weirdly, read um, the book, Trauma Release Exercises by David Cicchetti. God, his last name. I'm gonna have to put that up in the post. And there's another book called Waking the Tiger, and it's by Peter, but I don't know his last name either. <laughs> but Waking the Tiger. They're both about the physical shaking that is necessary to incorporate the trans uh, somebody trespassing our boundaries in any way. Sometimes it's just little. Sometimes it's big. That shaking should be allowed. It's part of it. And as that goes away, it'll, it'll fade after a while, you will find that the anger that is affliction starts to sort of boil down and condense into intention to bring about change. And that is power. Gandhi said he, wherever he found something that made him angry, he kept it and stored it and used it as fuel so that when he was afraid, he would still go forward. So that's the source of courage, folks. And I bet it's not what you expected, but it's a good thing to know in these times. And I hope that we all do it because anger in the presence of wisdom is courage. And it does nothing but create a better world. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. And I have to say goodbye. See you next week on The Gathering Room. Thanks for being here. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. 
It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. 